0: Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through Him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith.
1: All right. We have a wonderful speaker today, Evangelist Dan. So let's just give it up for Evangelist Dan. He's going to come and bring the word today.
0: Why are y'all clapping? I didn't do anything yet. Uh, Well, that's, that's heavy stuff that, that Sam was talking about there. And, you know, I'm an evangelist and, you know, the word evangelist comes, you know, from the same word we get the word angel and an angel is a proclaimer of glad tidings. Amen. So, you know, when I get up and preach, I like to have a party and uh, I remember one time we were over at the Black Mountain Substance Abuse Treatment Center for Women, and, man, we were literally going to have a party. I mean, we brought in cupcakes and ice cream and all this stuff, and, man, I was all jazzed up and just, you know, ready to just celebrate Jesus and get the whole place saved. And and uh, and then this one lady raises her hand, and we're like, well, what? And she says, my mom died today. I was like, oh, man. So it took us a while to recover from that, but we we eventually, you know, perked back up and we had a party and so i hope that you're ready to have a party with me right now we're going to celebrate who jesus is uh i came here and and uh presented a message on november the 28th uh that was called uh jesus is god and uh if you didn't realize this jesus is still god now yeah. hooray and uh so uh this is part two of that and um you know, for those of you who missed that, that message, um, I'll reiterate a couple of things. One is, uh, I've been actually preparing this for uh, over 18 years. It's just been a hot topic for me, and, and I've just been, you know, grabbing up and accumulating and compiling every scripture on this topic, and I can find, and I always find more and more all the time. There's just a gazillion of them. Uh, if we were to uh, uh, preach all of those uh, scriptures and things here in one sitting, we'd be here for at least an entire day. There's just so much to this about who God is, uh, who Jesus is, and um, I guess one thing that, that gets me kind of riled up is when people say things about Jesus that, that's just flat out lies, and that's what the cults do. They're good at it. That's, that's their job is to lie about Jesus. And so uh, when I hear what the cults do and how they try to lie to people and tell people that, that Jesus really isn't God, that, that Jesus is really like Satan's brother, he's just some glorified angel, and uh, the, so the, the Trinity isn't right either because the Trinity says that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are God. Uh, you know, so that just sort of roused me up a little bit. And so that, that got me really perked up and interested in this many years ago. And so I've just been accumulating so much on this topic. And, uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, it's my joy to, uh, present this to you today. Um, and my focus this time is on the Holy Trinity. Um, and again, as I shared back in November, uh, there was, um, a news article that came out where they had done a survey and they said that uh, 30% of all people in America who claim to be evangelical Christians, you know, that's Christians who simply believe that you can be saved by grace and not through works, 30% in America of evangelicals say that Jesus is not God. And as I shared that this last time, back in November, there was kind of a stir in the room. Uh, People were pretty shocked, and we ought to be very shocked by that. And so this, again, is is the defense of the the Christian faith, of what we truly believe, and it ought to get preached in every church in America. Amen? All right. So what do we have up here? Mariah, if you could, yeah, go ahead and, and get with the slide program. So, um, the Holy Trinity, what is that? It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are God, and they exist as one God, but as three distinct persons. There's a a song that sometimes our worship uh, team leads us in called King of Kings, and uh, you might recognize these words, uh, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. You remember singing that? Y'all owe me five bucks for not singing it to you. <laughs> all right. So let's, let's go on to the next slide. Um, this scripture that you're looking at here is an example, and there are many examples like this in scripture, um, where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are mentioned all together in the same uh, passage of scripture. Uh, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from uh, Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit, so there's the Holy Spirit, descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, who would say that, the Father, in whom I am well pleased. So there's uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father all in action right there in, in one Segment of scripture. All right, on the next slide, uh, this is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. So here's Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, why doesn't that say, Let me make God in my image according to my likeness? Why does it say us and our? Well, the word God there is the Hebrew word Elohim, which is a plural word. So, but it doesn't have an S on the end of the word God. It doesn't say gods, right? We don't worship the gods. We worship one God. And, uh, but look how he, he expresses himself. He says, let us and hour and hour." So there's. There's the Trinity right there, and of course, even in just Genesis chapter one, verse one, right in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and that again is the word Elohim. Um, the name Elohim is is throughout the Old Testament, is in many other names of God. All right, on the next slide, another great example of the Trinity in the Old Testament, uh, Isaiah forty-eight sixteen. Um, And a lot of these slides, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it'll take a lot longer. So I may just read the highlighted part on some of these. So this says, the Lord God and his spirit have sent me. So think about that now. So the Lord God, I believe that would be the father and his spirit. That's, of course, the Holy Spirit have sent me. Who did God send for us? Jesus. So there's the father, the son and the Holy Spirit Right there in the Old Testament, plain as day. All right, next, uh, another example from the New Testament, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And as you see at the bottom of the slide, um, there are numerous, numerous other examples throughout the New Testament, uh, making it very plain and clear. Of course, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are the three persons of God. Uh, here's an interesting question. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Well, in uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, 1.10, it says his son from heaven who he raised from the dead. So this says basically the father raised Jesus from the dead. Okay, and then on the next slide, we have Acts chapter 3. It says God having raised up his servant Jesus. So again, that indicates the father raised Jesus from the dead. But then we get to Romans chapter 8, 11. on the next slide. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. So now the Holy Spirit has raised Jesus from the dead. And then we go on the next slide. and we got John chapter 2, 19 through 21. And Jesus said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. And he was speaking of the temple of his body. So he's saying, I'm going to raise myself from the dead. Thank you very much. And uh, then uh, we get the same thing in John chapter 10, 17 through 18. Jesus says, uh, you know, I'm going to lay down my life, and I have the power to take it back up again. In other words, I'm going to do it. So is, are these scriptures in conflict with each other? No. Why? Because they're all the same God. There's just one God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, are all active in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's important that we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? If you confess with your lips Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, then you shall be saved. Amen. All right. So next, the next point is there is one God. So we have Isaiah forty five twenty two, I am God. There is no other. Next slide, Deuteronomy six four, the Lord is one. Next slide, Isaiah forty three ten, before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. Next slide, I, uh, Zechariah fourteen nine, the Lord is one and His name one. Next slide, R- Romans three thirty, there is one God. 1 Corinthians 8, 6, there's one God. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, there's one God. 1 Timothy 2, 5, there's one God. James chapter 2, verse 19, there's one God. So, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to get the impression that there's exactly one God. What do you think? So now on the, on the next slide here, it says, Proving the Holy Spirit or the Holy Trinity. Um, so we have now established through Scripture there is a Father, and there's a Son, and there's a Holy Spirit. And we've also established clearly that there's one God. Now, what if we can also prove that the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and that Jesus is God? If we can do that, then the Holy Trinity is correct. Amen? All right, so let's dive into it. Um, first, we have the Father is God. Uh, here's for, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. It says, God the Father. I think that pretty much says it all right there, doesn't it? God the Father. Not God the something else, God the Father. And you see uh, many other examples uh, at the bottom of the screen there, uh, including the note there that, um, you know, I I dug through and found uh, about 70 references to God the Father in the New Testament. So is the Father God? Amen. All right, next, the Holy Spirit is God. Now, if you're paying attention when you're reading your Bible, you'll see a lot of things all over the place in the Old Testament and the New Testament where the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit and says he is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the the living God, the Spirit of Christ. Well, that that means that he's God, amen? And so here's one uh, interesting example, though. This is in Acts chapter 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You remember what happened with them. It says uh, in verse 3, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? In verse 4, he says, You have not lied to men, but to who? So when he lied to the Holy Spirit, he lied to who? Right. So what does that mean? The Holy Spirit is? Amen. So that pretty much sums it up, don't you think? All right, so now we can get with the Jesus program. Is it important to believe that Jesus is God? Now, you know, being an being evangelist, I've given a zillion altar calls just over and over and over, over the years. And one scripture I use a whole lot is uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And so there it is on the screen, but this time it's in the Amplified Bible. And it the Amplified does a good job sometimes of unpacking some extra revelation that you might not see in other bibles so listen to this like you've never heard romans 10 9 before because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that jesus is lord recognizing his power authority majesty as god and believe in your heart god has raised him from the dead you shall be saved So do we need to recognize his power, authority, and majesty as God in order to end up in heaven instead of hell? We do. Now, as an evangelist, I always like to have a party, and I want to encourage everybody, and the last thing I want is for a strong believer to somehow start doubting their salvation because of something I said. That's what I call the, the, the you're really not saved after all preaching. I don't go with that at all. Jennifer and, and Carolyn went and visited this, this other place over in Georgia, and and uh, I was watching online, and, and this guy got up, and that's what he was preaching. I just turned it off. I said, I cannot listen to this. You're not really saved after all. Don't listen to it, Okay. I'm here to encourage you and bless you, not get you to doubt your salvation. So, so I'm not going to uh, put on you that somehow, you know, when a person gets saved, they have to speak these words. Jesus, I recognize your power, authority, and majesty as God. And if you don't say those exact words, then, then you're, you know, you're going to hell, okay? I'm not going to do that to you. But, you know, think about this. When you've got a completely lost heathen, that's never been to church in his life. He's never cracked a Bible open in his life. He's never watched a a sermon on TV or listened to something on the radio. This guy knows absolutely nothing about the Christian faith. He has no idea who Jesus is, doesn't know anything. But the Holy Spirit is working on him big time. Now imagine this person starts having a heart issue And calls 911. And now they've loaded him up into the back of an ambulance. And he's having a massive heart attack in the back of that ambulance as they're speeding down the road trying to get him to the hospital. And he cries out, Jesus, save me. Did he get saved? Yeah. Why? Because he knew that Jesus was the one who could save him. He didn't call on Allah. He didn't call on Rama. He didn't call on Brahma. He didn't call on Vishnu or I don't know what, hairdo or yabba He called on Jesus to save him from hell. He's saying, Jesus, you're the one I'm calling on. You're the one who can save me. He was recognizing Jesus' power, authority, and majesty as God, just like that criminal hanging on the cross next to Jesus. He turned to him, and he didn't say these words, but here's what he did say. Remember me. When you come into the kingdom, no, some kingdom, when when you go to heaven, that's not what he said. He said, when you come into your kingdom. This man on the cross was looking right over next to him, seeing a, a bloody pulp ripped to shreds, nailed to a piece of wood, and he said, you are the king of the kingdom of heaven, and I'm putting my trust in you. Amen? All right. Now, here's another interesting thing about Jesus. He's always lived. How do you get to always live and not be God? Amen? You know, if you've always lived, then God had no opportunity to create you because you were already there, right? So Jesus is not a creation of God. He's not a glorified angel. He's not Satan's brother. He has always lived because he is God. He is the Lord. And so here's a good scripture on that. Uh, Micah chapter 2, or 5 verse 2. Bethlehem out of you shall come forth, the one to be ruler whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. And I'm emphasizing the word everlasting there. He's always lived. Amen? Throughout the infinite expanses of eternity past, there was Jesus. Always there. Likewise, in the next slide we have Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. An often quoted scripture, uh, especially at Christmas time. You probably got a lot of Christmas cards in your mailbox that had this And beautiful calligraphy on the front. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And my emphasis again is on that word everlasting in this case. And you see at the bottom of the screen many, many other scriptures that if I had more time we would share those. Uh, that, that very clearly make the point that Jesus has always lived. All right, next, we're going to talk about what the angels had to say about Jesus, and then we're going to talk about what the demons had to say about Jesus. We're going to talk about what Jesus had to say about Jesus, and we're going to talk about what God has to say about Jesus. All right, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the angels said that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us so he's God with us he's not God's little buddy with us he's not some created being with us he's not some glorified angel with us he is God with us next slide uh, Luke 132 the angel said that Jesus is the son of the highest next slide Luke two eleven, the angel said that Jesus is the savior Christ the Lord Not Christ, some Lord, or a Lord, but the Lord. That means there's only one. Amen? All right, next. What did the demons have to say about Jesus? You know, demons are, they're a mess. And sometimes they're kind of funny because they're so stupid. And, uh, you know, I know Jennifer's, some of you heard me tell this story many times, but, you know, when we first moved here from Florida, Jennifer and I joined this ministry that was in downtown Asheville, and so I was going down to volunteer. They handed me the keys and said, Dan, it's it for your, you're it for the day. So I went down there, opened up the place, and on my very first day, who would come in but a man who's possessed by demons. It's like, oh, great. So I, I just happened to be sitting in a chair when the guy walked in. And the guy just came right up to me. And, man, he just started screaming all this stuff at me. And he was just shouting to carry on. and just, It just went on and on and on. And everything out of his mouth was totally profane. Stuff I'd never even heard before. Stuff I would never think of to ever say to anybody. And it was all 100% accusation because the name Satan means accuser. And so it's all accusations. It's all made up, of course. I mean, the guy never even seen me before. And he's just carrying on, just just going on and on and on and on. I'm just sitting there, and he's right there in my face, acting like he's going to just tear me to shreds. And I sat there with this kind of smile on my face. And that just drove those demons even crazier. And right in the middle of them having this huge rant Going on and on and on, the demons turned and they said to me, But you have the Spirit of God in you. I was like, man, I wish I could get a word like that at church. <laughs> so that was an accusation. See, they, they thought that was a terrible thing to say to me. Of course, I was like, yeah. And of course, you know, to finish the story, um, After the guy finally completely wore himself out, he headed toward the door. I'd not said anything the whole time. And so as soon as he put his hand on the door, I said, you stop right there. I said, you've done all the talking, now it's my turn. I want you to know something. If you ever come back in this place again, we're gonna love you. That guy just dropped to the floor he crawled on his hands and his knees all the way across the room, grabbed a hold of my feet, and cried like a baby. Love wins, amen? All right, so the demons. See, they're, they're trying to get Jesus in trouble. So, so when Jesus would come around, you know, demons don't want anybody to know that they're there most of the time. But the word demon It's the same word that we get the word demonstrate, right? Like you're going to sell some Tupperware and you're going to do a demonstration of how it works, you know, your product, you know, or people get out in the streets and they're doing a demonstration, right? That means look at me, right? We've got something to say. And uh, so demons, they they try to stay under the radar as long as they can. But when they know they're busted, then, then they act up. Or they try to act up if we let them act up. And, uh, and so here comes Jesus, and, and the demons are shrieking. In and, and, uh, Matthew 8, 29, the demon said, You are the Son of God! In uh, the next slide, Mark chapter 1, verse 24, the demon said, You are the Holy One of God! In Mark chapter 3, verse 11, the demon said, You are the Son of God! In Luke chapter 4, verse 40, 41, the demons came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God! And then Jesus, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew he was the Christ. All right, now the people. What did the people say about Jesus? Matthew 16, 16, Peter said, you were the Christ, the Son of the living God. Next on Mark 15, 39, the Roman centurion said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Son of God, by the way, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but Son of God, every time you hear that, just know up front, that means you're God, okay? We'll get get to that in a minute. John chapter 1, verse 18, the Apostle John wrote that Jesus is the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. John chapter 1, verse 34, John the Baptist said, this is the Son of God. John chapter 1, verse 49, Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. In John chapter 4, verse 42, remember the the story of the woman at the well and all the Samaritans came out, they all got saved, and here's what they said about Jesus. He is the Christ, the Savior of the world. In John chapter 11, verse 27, Martha said, You are the Christ, the Son of God. In John chapter 20, verse 28, Doubting Thomas said, you are my Lord and my God. In Acts chapter 3, verse 15, Luke wrote, Jesus is the prince of life. In Acts chapter 16, verse 31, Paul wrote, believe on the Lord, or this, the story, this is the story about where Paul and Silas got locked up in jail, and then there was an earthquake, and it came out, and the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And here was his answer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And then it says, so they all believed in what? God, right? So believing in Jesus Christ means you believe in God. Believing in God means you believe in Jesus Christ because Jesus is God, amen? Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Paul wrote, therefore take heed to yourselves and all the flock among the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. God purchased the church with his own blood. You know, when I shared that message on November the 28th about Jesus as God, Pastor Sam got on the phone with me, and, and he was just, you know, so amazed. And, you know, we know all this stuff in our heads, but sometimes you just got to hear the word preached to just mess with you some, and it messed with him in a good way, amen? And he was just so amazed just to, to have that revelation of, you know, the person hanging on that cross, to take away my sins and to take away your sins. Ripped to shreds, nailed to a piece of wood. This was none other than Jehovah God. God didn't send his little buddy to die for us on the cross. Amen? He sent himself. Amen? He came and did it himself. He purchased the church with his own blood. Romans chapter nine verse five, the apostle Paul wrote that Jesus is the eternally blessed God, the eternally blessed God, not a right. First Corinthians two eight, Jesus is the Lord of glory. The apostle Paul wrote in uh, Philippians two five through six, the apostle Paul said that Jesus is equal with God. In first Timothy three sixteen the apostle wrote that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. In Titus chapter two verse thirteen, Paul wrote that Jesus is our great God and Savior. Second Peter one uh, one uh, Peter wrote that Jesus Christ is our God and Savior. First John three one, John wrote this one's a little trickier. He said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Who's the him in context? The him is the Father. But remember, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father didn't come. The person of the Father, that person of, of the Trinity, the Father did not come to die for us on the cross. It was the Son who came. And so, who did the world see? Jesus. And who did they not know? Jesus. Amen? So this, again, equates Jesus with the Father. Next slide. 1 John 3.16. The Apostle John wrote, God laid down his life for us. 1 John 5.20. The Apostle John wrote that Jesus Christ is the true God. All right. Now we're going to talk about what Jesus had to say about himself. First, we're going to look at this Old Testament scripture because Jesus is getting ready to ask the Pharisees a question about it. So here's, here's the scripture, Psalm chapter 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And that word Lord right there is the, the Hebrew tetragram, Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh, that we transliterate as Jehovah, Yehovah. Uh, things like that. This is the Lord God, amen? So now we get to Jesus on the the next slide, Matthew 22, 41 through 46. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked him, saying, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, well, then how is it then that Jesus in the spirit, or that David in the spirit calls him Lord? Saying, the Lord said to my Lord, right? In other words, Jehovah God said to my Jehovah God, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus continued with his question and he said, if David then calls him yod heh vav that's what the Lord, Lord is, right? They weren't speaking English in this conversation, right? They were speaking some other language like Hebrew. If David calls him yod Vavhe, vav How is he his son? In other words, how can David say that his own offspring is Jehovah God? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare question him anymore. In other words, Jesus totally freaked them out with that question. Amen? How can David say that his own offspring is God? That's a question, isn't it? And Jesus was using that question to make the point, I am God. You're looking at God. It is God who is speaking to you right now. All right, next. John chapter 5, verse 18. Jesus said that God was his father making himself equal with God. That's, That's a big deal right there. Don't miss that. When, when Jesus said that God was his father, the people understood exactly what he was talking about. They understood that Jesus was saying, I am God. And that's why it says right there on the screen, the Jews sought all the more to do what? Kill him, right? They weren't killing him because uh, they didn't think that he was saying that he was God they were killing him or trying to kill him because he was saying I am God so think about how many times did Jesus refer to God as his father in in the New Testament right he did that over and over and over and over and over it's all over the place there's a zillion references to that and every single time Jesus was declaring himself to be God and every time he said I am the son of God he was declaring himself to be God. And also, every time we talked about this in, the, in that last message I preached, every time he called himself Son of Man, which he did that a lot, that also means that he's God. We'd have to go back. If you want, if you want to hear that message, if you haven't heard that, just go to our church website, go to sermons, and look for Jesus is God. And uh, there's just a lot more in there. All right, next, John 14, 7. Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. So here's Jesus standing right in front of some people. He's right there in the flesh, standing right in front of him, saying, when you see this guy right here that's talking to you, you're looking at God. John chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus said, I and my father are one. Not two not three, one. Let's count them. One. The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself God. So again, when he said, I and the Father are one, they knew exactly what he was saying. They knew he was saying, I am God. They were not two, they were not three, they were one. There's only one Jesus and one God who exists in the form of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three distinct persons of the Trinity. All right, another Old Testament scripture, Psalm 45, 6, and 7, and then we're going to see this scripture quoted in the book of Hebrews. And so, in the Old Testament, it says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. So, who is speaking there? Well, it's not real clear. You'd have to have a little more context. But as it turns out, that's God speaking. You'll see that in a minute. So, if God is the one speaking, what is he telling the person he's speaking to? He says, O God, Right? your throne, oh God. If I went past the Sam, I said, your chair, oh Sam, right? Who am I talking to? Well, talking to Sam, right? So God is speaking to God, and when God speaks to God, he calls God, God. Got that? So when I speak to Sam, I call Sam, Sam. So it's not confusing. All right. So now let's look at the next scripture that goes with that. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8. This really clears it up. But to the son. So now we know for sure who was being spoken to. And it says he says and that the he is God. So now we know who was speaking and we knew who is speaking to. So this is The father speaking to his son, and he says, your throne, O God. Amen? So the father is calling Jesus God right there. All right, we're almost done. I have four quotes from some uh, early church people. The first one is uh, from about the year 110, a disciple of the apostle John named Polycarp. Can you imagine naming your baby Polycarp? I don't know. Polycarp. Anyway, he wrote these words, Our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. About the same time, another disciple of the Apostle John, Ignatius, wrote these words, Our God, Jesus the Christ. And then a little while later, another one came along, Justin Martyr, and he wrote these words, Jesus Christ being Lord and God, the Son of God, was the one who originally appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Now, if you're shocked by that, if that's challenging to you, then you just haven't been paying attention to who the Old Testament says over and over and over again who Jehovah God really is. Because you see it over and over in the New Testament, Jesus fulfilling. Remember Jesus said, I came not to abolish the the law, but to fulfill it. So he was fulfilling it over and over again, so it's showing that the, the scriptures of the Old Testament truly did speak of him. Amen? So it should not be shocking to us to find out that Jesus was speaking to Moses through the burning bush. That should be plain as day. We should all say, ho-hum, I knew that, right? All right, last one. Irenaeus, came along a little bit later, and he says that Christ was very man and very God. So, of course, we don't put our trust in what early church leaders had to say, but it's nice to know that, that they agree with us. Amen? They agree with the Word of God. And so now I have one of those crazy evangelists, stand stand up and repeat after me knucklehead things for you to do. So please stand up and do that with me right now. Because, it, you know, it's it's good you know, not to just hear a sermon end, and then you just get up and walk out to the parking lot, and I want to give you an opportunity out of your own mouth to simply agree with this, okay? Is that a good idea? Yeah, okay. All right, so you go ahead and take us to the first one. So you see there's a scripture up there. I'm going to read the scripture to you, and then I'm going to say, repeat after me, and then I'm going to read that part and then that's when you repeat after me. So don't try to say it with me. We'll get it all jumbled up. Okay? You ready? Isaiah 43, 10. Before me there was no God for, nor shall there be after me. Repeat after me. I believe there is only one God. Next. First Peter 1, 3. Y'all, y'all did good with that, by the way. <laughs> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Repeat after me. I believe the Father is fully God. Some of you tried to say it with me. You goofed it up. You know. We don't have to start this sermon over from the beginning now. 1 Timothy 1.16, God was manifested in the flesh. Repeat after me. I believe Jesus Christ is fully God. I believe Jesus Christ is fully God. You got it right that time. All right. Here's another one. 2 Corinthians 3 3, the Spirit of the living God. Repeat after me, I believe the Holy Spirit is fully God. Is fully God. Luke chapter 3, verse 22, the Holy Spirit descended, descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Repeat after me, I believe the Holy Trinity is fully God. All right, now repeat after me. The Bible says it. it. I believe it. it. That settles it. it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Great. All right. Class dismissed.
1: (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Oh well we all followed instructions well that's good great all right well let's just let's just pray dan that was an incredible word thank you it is so important that we have the truth of scripture in our heart to know to know that he is god so let's just stand up now let's go ahead and stand father we thank you so much for your word for your word is life your word is eternal Your word is spirit. And we thank you that your word points to the Godhead as one. And Father, we thank you and we praise you that we serve a mighty God, a God who is able to save, heal, and deliver. And Lord, we thank you for our salvation. And we thank you that your salvation is is full and rich to save us from our sin, to give us new life, to also deliver us, to redeem us, and to heal and restore us. So Lord, we bless you, and we praise you, and we thank you for your word. And Father, today I'm asking that you would so strengthen and encourage the hearts of everyone here with the truth of your word. Lord, that we would grow into the fullness of what you've called us to, according to what you say about us. So, Lord Jesus, I ask now that you would strengthen and encourage each one, protect each one, watch over them, and bless them, Lord, with your peace. And I thank you, Father. I thank you and I praise you that great things are ahead for this church. Lord, as we stand on the truth of your word and we believe with all of our heart that what you said is true and will come about because you will accomplish that which goes forth from your mouth and you will bring it about for good in our lives. And we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for what you're going to do in and through this church in this new year. So, Father, I pray you'd bless each of us during this 21 days of fasting and praying. And God, I'm asking that there would be such an anointing upon this time. That, Father, we would press into the things of the kingdom. And we would see you in a mighty way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.